We are in Exodus 34, and actually today we're going to wind up jumping over to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Talked about today, I've titled it, Glowing from God's Presence. Now, there are some shows on TV that when they are, when I see them as I'm scrolling past, it is never a hard thing for me to just spend a few minutes watching an episode or even just a few minutes of a show. One of those shows for me is King of Queens. Now, you guys, you guys have watched King of Queens? Okay, so in King of Queens, uh, it's a kind of eccentric couple, and, and they have, you know, the, the wife's father living with them, and all kinds of funny stuff happens. It's just light. It never is really, I guess the last season got a little heavy, but most of the time it's just light and funny. And so I was scrolling through, and I, I watched this episode a couple weeks ago, or watched just a few minutes of this episode, where Doug, the, the husband, decides that he needs to be sick so he doesn't have to go to work. And his mom is staying at his house with him. And so uh, his wife is away on a business trip. So his mom, it's kind of like he reverts to childhood. And so he's in bed and he's like, oh, I really feel bad. So his mom comes in to take his temperature and she gives him a thermometer, which he puts in his mouth. Now, not everybody in a few years is going to know what that is. But we know what that is, right? You put the thermometer in your mouth, you take the temperature. And she leaves the room. And as soon as she leaves the room, he takes the thermometer out and he puts it right on the light bulb on the lamp next to his bed so that the, the temperature will elevate when his mom comes back and he will have had a fever, trying to fake being sick so he could stay home. It reminded me of a story that my mom told me years and years ago about herself. She actually had a fever, but she didn't want to have a fever. She didn't want people to tell her she couldn't do stuff. So what she did is she got some ice cubes, and she, put, she sucked on them in her mouth for a little while before they would come take her temperature. The problem was that when they took her temperature, it was like 87 Right, so it created a whole. If she was in the hospital, so it created a whole different panic going on. The, the plan kind of backfired on her. When you're sick, your body responds by increasing the temperature of your body so that you can fight the illness. It's one of the ways that we try to measure if someone is sick. Clearly, from those two things, you can see that the temperature measurement can be manipulated. But the the temperature is just supposed to be a sign of what's happening in your body. It's not supposed to be the ultimate thing. Having a temperature or not having a temperature is not the thing. It's whether that temperature says you're sick or not. Today we're going to look at the story of Moses and an effect on his life. And the effect is from being in God's presence. It is an effect that is really cool. And I think if you can imagine this, it's going to be like, wow, that was really awesome. Literally, Moses' face shone. It had a glow to it, a brightness, a light shining out from it. That's pretty cool. I believe that we believers also have a different appearance to others when we have been in the presence of God. When we have come together or when we have individually been in His presence, I believe it doesn't glow with light on our face, but something about the way that we look, we sound, and we act makes it clear that we have been regularly in God's presence. People may not be able to put their finger on, well, what is it that's different about you? But they know that you are different from having been in God's presence. And I think we'll see what that looks like for us as believers, not a physical glow, but some other way of glowing from the presence of God. In this story, there's no way Moses could have faked this effect. They didn't have like, I don't know, glow paint or something that, that or, or, you know, LEDs he could put on his face to make his face glow. It was something that he had to have from an experience with God and God alone. It was a miraculous, supernatural thing that happened to the appearance of his face. 
But I would say many over the centuries have tried to manufacture the appearance that they think represents having been in God's presence. They try, people often try to give off the sense that I'm close to God without actually having been close to God. Maybe you've been doing that. Maybe you know you've been doing that. Or maybe you don't know you've been doing it. But this is what it feels like. It feels like a hyper-awareness about what people think about you. About whether people see your shame or see your guilt. Whether people think you've performed well enough. Whether people think you've measured up. Whether you are appreciated and accepted. And they think, I think, what are they thinking about me? So I try to make sure they think the right things by the things that I do. Maybe you're someone who's like, I don't have a shot at that. I don't have what it takes for people to know that I've been with the Lord because my life is messy and twisted up. And so no one will ever mistake me for having been in the presence of God. But the thing about that is both of those mindsets tend towards similar sets of ideas of what it means to look like you've been in the presence of God. Things like this. I pray wonderful prayers. And anybody who would hear me pray would just be like, wow, that was a great prayer. Clearly, you've been in the presence of God if you can pray impressive prayers. Or, I'm always happy. I'm never down. I always am happy. I'm always up. Or, I never doubt. I'm always sure. I'm always full of confidence. This is what it means to have been close to God. I know spiritual things to say all the time. I know the right spiritual things to say all the time. I give money to the church. I go to church. All the time. I serve at church. I know Bible verses. I win spiritual arguments. This is what we kind of tend towards thinking represents that we've been in the presence of God. And yet I would say to you, that's not it at all. It's what we kind of bend towards, but it never really means we've been in the presence of God. All of those things are kind of easy to fake, like a temperature when you have a fever or don't. So let's look at this moment in Moses' story with the Lord and see if we can do some stuff with it for our lives. Exodus chapter 34. We're going to start at verse 29 and go down to verse 32. It says this, When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the covenant law in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them, so Aaron and all the leaders of the community came back to him, and he spoke to them. Afterward, all the Israelites came near him, and he gave them all the commands the Lord had given him on Mount Sinai. So here we have Moses coming down from the mountain, and he had been up on the mountain from the verse previous to all this, 40 days and 40 nights. He had been in the presence of the Lord continuously 40 days and 40 nights. And it had an effect on the way he looked. The first thing that that I want to take from this today for us is that being in God's presence has an effect on how we look, how people see us. So let's start here. How often are you in God's presence? I mean, really, do you know what it means to be in God's presence? Do you have, when I say that, you're like, oh yeah, there was that moment and this time and, and I do it on this day or that. Do you know what it means to spend time in God's presence? 
Not in the sense that God is everywhere and so we're always in his presence because he's everywhere, he's always there. But in the sense the psalmists have about entering his presence, coming into his presence, remaining in his presence. The sense that you are coming to him, conscious of turning your attention and your focus towards him. I think that today we sit in the presence of many things We give our attention and our focus to many things and we have so many options, most of them in our pocket, where we can turn our attention and we can take from that and we can hear from that and we can give our minds and our thoughts and our emotions to that. How often do we give our mind and our emotion and our attention and our focus and our energy to the Lord? Entering His presence and spending time with Him. I'm not saying that God does not and should not go with us down each day. Uh, Every path that we go on, God is going with us. There should be a mindset that no matter where I go, no matter what I do, I get up and I go to school, I get up and I go to work, I stay home and I'm, I'm with the kids. Whatever it is that you do on a daily basis, the sense that God is with you all the time, that you live with the presence of God around you. I'm, that's not what I'm talking about. Although that is a good and healthy thing. But there are times where we need to turn towards the Lord and hear from Him. To still the rest of our lives. To pour out our hearts to Him. To ask for His power and for His strength. We need to think on His grace and His goodness about how God loves us. We need to be reminded of His greatness, of His grandeur, that nothing is too big and nothing is too hard and that God is beyond what we could imagine. We need to be humbled in His presence, melted by His love. We need to worship and pour out praise. We need to spend focused time, intentional time in the presence of of God. Do we? One of the most devastating realities of the past year is that that thing that we do, humanly speaking, in gathering to be in the presence of God together, got undermined. And we start to look at one another as dangerous instead of healthy. And I'm not saying that there isn't a danger to a virus that can be deadly. I'm saying there's a danger to being isolated when God designed us to gather to be in His presence on a regular basis. There are a lot of us who are struggling emotionally, struggling mentally and struggling spiritually, and we don't know why. And it's because we don't have the connection that we need so that we can be aware. We need the help of one another to enter the presence of God, to be in the presence of God. And I think that'll get clearer as we go, especially as we get into 2 Corinthians chapter 3. It is why, as soon as the the state told us we could open, we were like, let's open. What do we got to do? Because there's the need for the people of God to be present in the presence of God together. There's something that I can do by myself for sure, but there's something that God designed when we do it together that can only show up when we're together. If we are spending that time in God's presence, it shows up on us. It changes us. For Moses, it showed up in a really unique way. It says when he came down the mountain, he had the two tablets of the covenant law in his hands, and he was not aware that his face was radiant. The word radiant in Hebrew, literally, the the construction of it, literally suggests that there were rays of light shooting out from his face. Now that is cool. 
I think that is awesome. That's like we talk about superheroes today. This was like superhero kind of stuff. He comes down from the mountain and he's got rays of light shooting out his face. But what it says is he didn't know it. He had been affected by being in the presence of God, but he was unaware because it was just normal to him. He was like, I don't know how it's normal to spend 40 days and 40 nights without food or drink up on a mountain with God and just be in his presence. I don't know how that's normal. But for Moses, it was like, yeah, no big deal. I'm coming down the mountain now. And his face glows. Anyone who has walked closely with the Lord has some kind of glow on their lives. They may not be aware of it. It may feel normal to them, but other people will notice it. And people will say, what's different about you? Why don't you this and this and this? Why do you always blah, blah, blah? Why are you always this way? What's different about you? They're talking about the glow of being in the presence of God. The first time Moses came down from the mountain, he had tablets in his hands just like this, but he didn't have a glow. The first time he came down the mountain, the people were partying over the golden calf and he threw the tablets down. There was no glow. This time he comes down and he has a glow. Remember, last time, they had kind of tossed aside Moses' leadership. We don't, as for this fellow Moses, we don't know what's happened to him. Aaron, you're the guy. Make us a God. So they threw Moses' leadership aside. This time, when he comes down from the mountain, he has a visible symbol on him that God has talked with him, that God approves of him, that God has set him as the leader. Kind of hard to deny that the guy with the glowing face is the leader, right? Like you kind of... Okay, that's the guy right there, yeah. It wasn't hard for them to figure out who God had spoken to. Sometimes I wish, you know, I guess if today there were, if pastors had a glow out of them, they were, okay, that's the leader of the church. That'd be cool, right? But, no, it wouldn't be cool. Okay, so that would not be cool. That would be uncool. But today we, we have different marks of God on us than Moses had. But that was an undeniable thing for the people who were there. What is the glow we have today? Like Moses had a glow from being in God's presence. Living in God's presence changes us. And it should be evident to all those who are looking at us. So he comes down the mountain. Everybody's scared. Everybody runs away. Moses has to call them back. There's almost a sense that they backed up or or ran away from him. Because verse 31, he calls them back and they come back to him. And then all the Israelites come back after the leaders and Aaron comes back. And Moses gives them all the commands. The reason Moses has this glow is because he has the word of God and he needs to give the word of God to people. And so he gives them all the commands, not just the Ten Commandments, which he holds in his hands, but all those things that God had talked about him with from chapters 21 to 31 and the summary of the previous verses in in chapter 34. God has given instructions to Moses to take to his people. And so when Moses comes down from the presence of God with the glow of God, he speaks with the authority of God. He doesn't speak about what he thinks or what he wants. He speaks about what God thinks about what God wants. When you've lived in the presence of God, it is more natural for you to talk about what God wants and what God thinks than what you want and what you think. It's one of the changes that happens in the presence of God. And so Moses glowed. And it kind of freaked out the Israelites, so Moses had to do something about it. Verses 33 down to verse 35, it says this. When Moses finished speaking to them, he put a veil over his face. Whenever he entered the Lord's presence to speak with him, he removed the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the Israelites what he had been commanded, they saw that his face was radiant. Then Moses would put the veil back over his face until he went in 
to speak with the Lord. It was so distracting to these people that Moses' face glowed, which I can imagine it would be. It was so intimidating to them that they almost couldn't hear what he needed to tell them. So he put a veil over his face to dim it down. The people were so aware, so distracted by this glow, Moses covered his face so he could do what God wants. If we're going to be people that live in the presence of God, we need to understand when God's presence changes how we look and appear to people, it can be frightening for people who haven't been there. It can be unsettling. These Israelites are probably afraid of the fallout from the previous time Moses had come down from the mountain. When Moses came down last time, there was judgment, there was a plague, there was all kinds of stuff that happened because of their rebellion. So Moses comes down this time, and they're like, now he's glowing, it's got to be worse for us. The privilege that God gave Moses, this good thing, was intimidating and frightening to the Israelites, even to Aaron, it seems. And you may notice the same thing in your life. As God begins to change you, as God's presence and power begins to affect you and and change the way that you look and sound and act towards others, there may may be people around you that that bothers a lot. Many who don't know because they think like the Israelites, it signals his judgment and condemnation on them. Really, Moses came down to invite Israel back into a covenant they had broken. That's what Moses came down to do. But all they felt was like, oh no, we're in for it now. And they ran away. Sometimes when we live a life in the presence of God, people will naturally assume from their own conscience and from the accuser that they are facing judgment and condemnation instead of realizing that your life with the glow of God is an invitation for them to come and know the God of this covenant. Like Moses, Moses was not like, well, my face shines, so deal with it. You know, he wasn't like that. I'm better than you. I've been with God. I don't know. For, how many of you have been with God for 40 days? Before? Oh, nobody? Just me? Okay, that makes me better. Like, Moses wasn't that. Moses said, fine, I'll put a veil over my face. We've got work to do. I'm representing God. Moses did not let that glow of the Lord make him feel superior or cause people to become distracted from what his presence meant in their lives. Those who aren't in God's presence may need you to tone it down. You may need to find a way to meet people where they are, to soften what the enemy wants to use as something to condemn them or make them feel inferior. But here's the cool thing. We don't cover up like Moses covered up. And why do I say that? I want to take you over to the words of Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Because Paul refers specifically to this story in the Old Testament. He talks about the fact that the glow that we have is different than the glow that Moses had. So let me read to you 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 7 to 16. And from that, this, what, Moses, what Paul says here about Moses, it's very clear that this has application, this story has application to believers. It says this, Now if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, came with glory, so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, transitory though it was, Will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? If the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if what was transitory came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? Therefore, 
Since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses, who put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed, because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their heart. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. We are not like Moses. Paul, what Paul says here, two things that jump out at me. First thing is this. When I read Moses' story, when I read 2 Corinthians 3, this always gets me. Paul points to how the glow faded away on Moses' face, but Moses kept wearing the veil. Think about that for a minute. Moses had a reason to put a veil on his face because he had been in the presence of God, but then he wasn't in the presence of God that way, but he kept wearing the veil. Most scholars believe that Moses wore that veil for the rest of his time on earth in front of the Israelites. And Paul said, even though he wasn't glowing anymore. Does that get you? Does that feel like maybe sometimes what happens in our lives? Moses acted like he still had the glow of God's presence long after he didn't. Has your glow gone out, but you're still trying to act like you have it? Still trying to put on a pretense like God's presence is real in your life? Maybe you're wondering why you feel so tired, so stretched out, so empty. Even though you're a Christian and you want to follow Jesus, what's going on here? Isn't Jesus the source of my strength? Maybe it's because you're so concerned about making people think you have a glow when you don't. Maybe you've been trying and trying, but what you really need to do is go back to just sitting at the feet of the Lord with an open and sincere heart. Not always being on, always ready to show anyone that you've been in God's presence, but just going back to God. God's presence has not been enough for you in itself. It's yeah, but. I would like to do that, but I don't have time. I would like to do that, but my life is too crazy. I would like to do that, but, but, but. That sounds good, but. It is in the presence of God that we find peace. It is in the presence of God that His Spirit fills us and changes us of God. It's such an empty way to live as a believer. I remember when Dana and I started dating. We started in the second semester of a college year and we were together literally every day throughout the rest of that semester. Then we went home in May And about a week later, I went out to visit her in Oregon and spent the week, and we were together every day. And then I got on a plane, and I left Oregon, and I came back to New Jersey. 3,000 miles apart, and it was 97 days. I could tell you today, it was 97 days. How do I know that? Because the empty of not being together overwhelmed me. It felt like it would swallow me up because I wanted to be with her. I had this, it wasn't enough that we were in a relationship, that she was committed to me. I I mean, that was great, but I missed being with her. See, I didn't want to go around, hey, let me tell you about my girlfriend. Let me show her a picture. Isn't she gorgeous? Like, it wasn't enough for me to tell people that I, I actually didn't care that much about what people thought. I cared about being with her. 
With the Lord, I think we've gotten way too much into the show, into the take aside, into the witty comment, into the making sure everyone knows that I'm better than you, I'm more righteous than you, I'm close to God and you're not, instead of just being changed by His presence, longing to be with Him, feeling the empty when we haven't been. We talk about this being a relationship, not a religion. But folks, is it? For you? Do you want to be with him? The other point that I notice as I look at this is this. Paul's big point is that we now have more glory than Moses, not less. Which is interesting because Moses had to hide the glow, but we have more glory, and Paul says we don't hide it, we are bold with it. Being a believer is more glorious than having your face glow. How about that? That's what Paul says. Knowing the Lord and having Him change your life. And when he's talking about glory, he's talking about the way that we shine out to the world around us. Being a believer is more glorious than having your face glow. Being in God's presence now is more glorious than it was for Moses. The big point is we don't have a glow physically, but the glory is bigger and we show it to people. What is that glory? Do you have it? Let's jump down to verse 18 because here's what it says. And we all who with unveiled unveiled faces contemplate, and if you're reading the NIV, there's a little footnote that goes down and says, or reflect. It's probably a better translation. We with unveiled faces reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. What is our ever-increasing glory? We look more and more like Jesus. Now that seems like, okay, well, we just try to live like Jesus. Okay, that's whatever. No, do you understand? Jesus came as the representation of God's glory. It says so right in the Scripture. We, looking like Jesus, look like the glory of God. Jesus revealed God's glory. John 1.14 We beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John says, we saw the glory of God. How did we see the glory of God? Jesus was here. How He lived, how He acted, how He talked, how He walked, everything He did showed the glory of God. Not by light shooting out of His face, but by the way that He lived. Hebrews 1, verse 3, talks about He is the radiance of God's glory. Jesus is the radiant, same word as the Old Testament word, the the, the shooting out light. Jesus is that of God's glory. And we are being changed into the image of Jesus by being in the presence of God. How did Moses' glow happen? Being in the presence of God. How does our glow happen? Being in the presence of God begins to shape us into the image of Jesus. The glory that Jesus had and the disciples saw was a way of living, not a physical light. He came in glory, and that glory was serving and sacrificing. He came for God's glory in a love that gave everything. We glow like that from God's presence when life is naturally not about us. When it's not about what I like or what I feel or what I think or what people think of me or what what my reputation is or what I can do or what I can control or what I choose. 
We glow when we love in real and living ways. We glow when we sacrifice and give, when we choose to be patient and kind and gentle, full of joy, full of peace, able to endure faithfully. This is when we glow because we're like Jesus. You can't fake it. It's a natural byproduct of being in God's presence. As natural as it was for Moses' glow, it is a natural byproduct of the reality of God's presence. And we do it. We can't fake it. We do it when we are in God's presence. So if you're trying to fake it, stop. It's just killing you. Instead, what you need to do is say, God, show me what it means to be in your presence. Because I want your glory to be in my life in a way where it shines out. He says we are the body of Christ. That means we are the physical representation of Christ who is the glory of God. God, teach me what it means to be in your presence in a way that changes me. In a way where your glory shines out through my life. In a way where the world sees our church as a place of people living like Jesus, loving like Jesus, selflessly, full of joy and hope and peace. And if that's not the reputation we have, or we don't have it to that degree enough, we need one thing, God's presence. So seek it. Ask God to show it to you. Seek it today and this week. We sang about it this morning. Now let God show you how to live in that this week. And watch God's glow show up in your life more and more with ever-increasing glory as we are changed into the image of the Son. Let's close our service this morning with a word of prayer and take this with us as we go. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would use this miracle that you performed back with Moses thousands of years ago, and the way that Paul applies it to our lives to teach us how vital it is that we live in your presence, that we come to your presence, that we come and detach ourselves from other things so that we can focus and listen and receive and be molded and shaped and changed so we can be filled, so we can be renewed, so we can be healed, so we can be fully formed images of your Son. Father, this is a work you're trying to do and I know all of hell is attacking to try to pull us away from that. I ask, Father, that you would help us to see clearly, to hear your voice, to follow you, to know you, that your presence would come down in its full power and change your people into the image of your Son more and more and more. We ask that you would do this in our lives for your kingdom for your purpose, for your glory. So we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks, everybody.